If you will, open up your Bible. This is God speaking to us right here. You know, this book can either be alive to you or not, but God is the one who does that, and he will unveil things. So we've been talking about storms, but still raining, and not rain like, like uh, water coming down, but raining like a king. And so it doesn't matter what comes. And people, I think, when you talk about something like this, it's important to know where problems come from and why they come to people. Problems can come to people because they're out of the will of God. Are you with me? Some problems, you know, will come because you're in the will of God. Uh, there are an offensive posture towards things and a defensive, meaning this. If you live an offensive life, meaning not offensive, but offensive going forward, you're going to run into the enemy, period. Because when you go to reach people and when you go to pray for somebody, you're gaining ground in the area of darkness. And so you can know that maybe not every day you'll face something, but because of that, you can face things. And then I said there's a defensive side to this. Uh, you could be just doing nothing wrong, whatever, minding your own business, and things will come too. And you need to defend your ground, so to speak. And so we're going to look at different things uh, as we move through this series, you know, about raining when storms come, because they're going to come to everybody. You can't pray uh, to avoid all storms. Now, you can add to them, but you, or you can diminish some, but just living here, we live in a world that, where there's things that come. So Romans 5, verse 17 says this, For if by one man's offense or one man's sin, death or spiritual death reigned through the one or through that one sin... What is he saying by this verse? Well, in the beginning, remember, God said to Adam, do not disobey me and do this. If you do this, in that day you will surely die. Well, he did eat, but he didn't fall over on the ground, but he did die spiritually, or the life that, of God that was in him, uh, that eternal good life was gone. He became sin conscious. He became self-conscious. And so this is what he's talking about. He said that through this offense, death reigned through the one. And guess what? The Bible says it traveled to all men or all mankind. You can't avoid it. In other words, the family tree started with Adam and Eve and it went through all of us. You with me? But notice that's not the end. Those who receive, it says, I'm sorry, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace or this free gift that uh, empowers, strengthens, makes new, and the gift of righteousness or good standing with God like you never sinned will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Understand this, God, though there are storms that come, wants us to reign. He wants us to rule. He wants us ultimately to have victory. 
And if you read through the Bible, you can plainly see from Genesis to maps, I mean all the way to the back, he wants his people to reign. He wants them to ultimately win out. Not just when you get to heaven, but here on the earth. And you can see that by how Jesus dealt with people. And he didn't want them to be overcome by the enemy. But uh, we need to realize we live where there is a flow of unseen opposition that influences things. And then it appears in the natural and sometimes people yield to things and say things and do things. Uh, sometimes we could be pushed the wrong way and not even realize this is an attack of the enemy trying to push me in a different direction. I've seen that before where somebody gets offended at something and they get pushed a different direction and it doesn't have to do with what God wants for them. I mean, when I worked in, in the church in California for years, I saw that at different times and thought, man, those people, uh, they should stay the course. They should do this. But they got pushed by something, and they didn't realize they got pushed sometimes right out of the will of God. And uh, so we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about a fundamental area, because, you know, we're talking about overcoming and winning and beating these things, and sometimes you talk about this, and people think it's all just, it's all the devil, and just say, get out of here, and, and he does have a part to play, but we have a part to play, so if you will, turn to Matthew, the 16th chapter, and, and I guess when it ultimately comes down to it today, if there's an underlying theme then we need to realize this, that every believer needs to maintain a humble attitude toward God and toward his word. In other words, toward what his wor written word says, but also what the spirit deals with you about. Because sometimes uh, we can talk ourselves into things we should not be talking ourselves into. Anybody ever done that? They knew I shouldn't do this, but you, you go, yeah, but it's on sale. And then, then you're like, and I, I just know God's dealing with me. Don't do this. And then they're like, then they give you a personal call. Listen, we're going to give you an extra 25% besides the 20%. And you're like, this must be God. How do you know? I thought every time you go to pray, you're like, yuck. But then all of a sudden you're like, Nuh. You, you, nobody's ever been there before? I did that one time. Bought a watch. When I was in Bible school. And I didn't have a lot of money then. It's not like I got a ton now. But back then, I mean, you know, getting going. I'm in Bible school. And, uh, you know, there's this $200 watch. I mean, you might as well have been a $5,000 watch back then. and uh, Or 400 and something. I mean, that's like back then, this is in the 30s. <laughs> okay, not quite that far, but it makes it sound like, whoa, yeah, well, it was a lot of money. That was during the Depression. And uh, so I, I uh, remember going in to this mall, and, and this watch is on sale. And I remember I had a burden to pray, and I'm like, and I'm ready to sign, you know, these monthly payments to pay this thing off. Now, I don't get the watch. I just make the payments. If you miss one, 
you lose the whole watch. Oh. But I'm telling you, it was good looking. You know, it sounds like Adam and Eve. Good, it was looked good to the eye and desired, you know. And I literally remember going and just having a burden to pray and going, I, I need this watch really bad. It's on sale. And I remember uh, getting ready to do it, and I thought, and I knew something was up, and I'm like, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I know. I know I'm doing the wrong thing. So I'm like, I, I got to make sure. So I went downstairs to Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's a Christian business. And uh, so I ate, and I still got this burden I'm praying. And I remember walking back up thinking, okay, the burden's gone. Gee. And I remember going, yeah, I'll do it. And I remember signing the paper, and I heard these words on the inside. When the time comes to pay it off, you won't have the money. See, God knows what's out ahead. He knows what you need today. So your ingenuity and your wise self, you better pay attention. And because uh, it can make it a situation that wouldn't have had to been so bad worse. I remember just cruising along, making the payment, making the payment, and, you know, remembering that thought in the back of my head. If you can't make a payment, and I remember all of a sudden just things went, eh, and I'm like, I can't make the payment. 200 bucks back then was a lot of money to lose. I mean, it was a lot of money to lose. And uh, I remember I ended up having to borrow the money. I got into debt and all. And I mean, it, it got extremely difficult. And it was just not good. And I could have avoided that by paying attention to what God had been dealing with me about. But how many times do people's minds start entertaining things that we shouldn't entertain? You with me? And I did that. So Matthew 16, not everybody is, you know, you got to know the difference. If you're going to walk and win, you got to realize there is a voice of the Spirit inside, and then there is that noodle called your mind that can have false reasonings, and you need to know the difference because you can be talked into things and think you're doing something worthy and noteworthy and religious or right and be totally going the wrong way. And so it's important to know and renew your mind to a proper way of thinking. Notice Matthew 16, verse 22. Um, then Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. Whoa. Saying... Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. Well, he had started telling them, listen, the, 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 the Jews and the Gentiles are going to take me. They're going to crucify me. And, and Peter's like, come here. C come here. And he's, he got this thought in his head that seemed like a good thought. I'm going to protect Jesus. I'm going to do what's right, man. We're like brothers, you know. We're, I'm going to do this. And uh, he takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. Far be it. I ain't letting you. And we know Peter meant business because later on, he was the only one to pull out a sword and start swinging. And obviously, he wasn't good because he was aiming for a guy's head and cut his ear off. But I mean, at least he was willing. Good thing it wasn't a gun. And, uh, but verse 23 says, But he turned and said to him, Peter, 
get behind me, or said to Peter, then, then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Oh, this has changed. Remember, Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter from shifting sand to a rock. Now he's got a whole nother word for him. Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, really to the plan of God. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Think about it. His mind was wrong, therefore he spoke wrong, he acted wrong, he thought he was doing right. There's no way. This guy knows that he is with the Messiah, with the Savior of the world, because we know he said, you're the Christ. He, he knew who he was with, he thought he was doing something good. It, it was a religious thing he was doing, you know, he's protecting the Lord, and, but notice the phrase right here, even somebody good like this was listening to some bad thoughts. And the problem with these bad thoughts was he was transferring them to somebody else to get them to go this way too. And he didn't even realize. You know, we uh, had this one guest speaker uh, that came and he was talking to me and he said, I had this experience where I uh, saw in the spirit one time at this one church, there had been this rift and this problem. He said, and uh, he said, all of a sudden I saw this circle of people and uh, the devil just came and walked behind one of them and said something. And the guy didn't even realize and he spoke to this circle of people and drew a group of them away, and they got all messed up. And the guy, he said, didn't even realize what he did at the time was listened to a lie. So how could Peter have done better? Well, obviously the Lord's trying to help him. The Lord loved him after this. We know that. This didn't disqualify Peter from his future, but he could have affected the Lord. And notice this phrase right here. He said, as you look into the verse here, it says, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful. Your mind is not right. That didn't mean he was crazy. It just meant his thinking was off. How could he have had his thinking right? Well, the scriptures were plain. Jesus had been revealing through the scriptures that he may, m must suffer and die and certain things like this. So we know that the primary way to get our thinking straightened out is to get in line with the word of God. You with me? And to adopt it as our own thinking. And so he rebuked him and said, hey... No, get out of here. We need to recognize just because people say certain things to us, maybe seem good, maybe are hurtful, realize there could be something behind them saying it. I've said this for years. Have you ever gone through a hard time and you're, you're facing something and you're internalizing it yourself? Nobody knows about it. Nobody. Been careful not to tell anybody. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue... Somebody's like, 
And, you know, it's your knee, and you see this little sore, and it's got a little bit of pus coming out. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes up to you, and they're like, hey, how you doing? You know, the strangest thing, the other day, my grandma had to get her leg cut off. She had this little sore on her right knee, and a little bit of pus was coming out. And all of a sudden, she got gangrene, had to cut the whole thing off. See you later. (laughs) And then you're sitting there going, that's what I got. You know, a month passes, it heals, and it's gone. But right then, you're gripped with fear. How did that happen? People need to be careful with what they repeat because you need to know the origin of thoughts. You with me? Notice this in Acts 9, verse... uh, we'll, We'll just turn to Acts 9. So it's important for us to realize that the Word and the Spirit of God will reveal to us certain things, and we need to know because we need to take those for our own thinking, not something that's wrong out there. You understand what I'm saying? Peter didn't realize the words he had adopted or the thoughts he had adopted were actually contrary to God. Notice this in Acts 9. Another person who was not thinking right But they, instead of yielding to God, were resisting God because of their wrong thinking. But here's the thing. They thought they were, they thought they were yielding to God. They were actually resisting God. They thought they were doing God a favor and, uh, but they were just wrong and off. Notice this, Acts 9 verse 1. Then Saul, who we know, if you read the Bible, later on his name is changed to Paul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Now you understand, this guy was religious. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. He thought he was doing God a favor, but he actually, his thinking was off and he was doing something wrong. Notice And he said he went to the high priest and asked letters from him uh, to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of this way or, you know, followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. In other words, he's out there arresting Christians, but his religious view is, I'm doing God a favor, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, you know, and he's religious. We're going to run into the religious people out there. We may become religious and run into another Christian and say some things. Notice this. It says, verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus Suddenly a light shone round about him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, he thought he was doing God a favor. Now he has an encounter with the Lord. And then he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord answered and said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or those. It's a little pokey thing that they would poke, you know, an animal to get it to move like a cow and have like a little hook. You know those uh, things you put in a fireplace that has a little 
pokey thing on it. You can tell I got this down. Pokey thing, it's got a little hook, and you poke the wood or you pull it and turn it. It looked like that, but it's bigger. And he said, it's hard to kick against that. And back then they wore sandals. It'd be real hard. And he compared that to kicking against the Lord. Both of these things, these guys thought they were doing something good for God, but they weren't. Both of their problems were solved with an encounter from the Lord. Now, you can create your own encounter with God. As a believer, you are allowed to uh, spend time with God. You are allowed to pray and seek God till you find out what is supposed to be happening, going on His way. But the whole thing is, sometimes you're just going to be living life, and uh, like Peter, well, you don't always maybe have time right then to pray. So what we should do as believers is have times of fellowship and prayer where we talk to God so that God can deal with us so we can be sensitive when we encounter things. But then when we're making decisions, we should pray till we know. You with me? Sometimes people pray not to know, but just to go ahead and do it because it makes me feel good. I prayed. You know, you ever done that? Lord, should I buy this watch? Thank you, I prayed. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about what I did. And God was telling me, and it got super difficult, and it made life not fun for a while. Thankfully, it wasn't uh, something bigger. You with me? And as a matter of fact, my desk at home, I have that watch in there. It's broken. You, you can't get a replacement band, but I thought, I'm keeping this. It's a reminder. I'd rather have this reminder than a bigger one. Because some things cost more, take longer to get out of. You with me? And sometimes people don't realize that. So one of the keys here, though, uh, to not yielding to the wrong thing is have an encounter with God. Make sure you are spending time with God. I would venture to think that through our lives, if we're not doing this, God deals with us. And maybe he deals with us so that in that time, you could have an encounter. He could deal with you. He could get something settled so that when the winds of adversity come, you don't move. Because, you know, the Bible talks about people being blown and moved by the winds of adversity. But if you get settled and you know what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to be, what, you know, God's plan is, whatever it is, you won't just allow yourself to be pushed away, even if the pressure comes. Even if you think, hey, that might be a good idea, or this might be good, you know, I need to buy that. I need to go do this. I need, then you can stay steady. You with me? Because we're talking about how to reign in life. You cannot just willfully do a Jonah and think it'll be okay. Man, Jonah almost, we, Jonah, the book of Jonah was almost not the book of Jonah. Because we wouldn't have had the story if he didn't repent after three days of sitting in the belly of that big fish. 
and how many books of Jonah weren't written because people just said, ah, I can hold out, I can hold out. But he repented. He never had to go through any of that. Ooh, this is getting good. I mean, think about it. We're talking about raining and storms. He didn't even have to go into all that. I mean, how many people have dragged their family into a storm? And they didn't have to. Well, that was exciting. You with me? I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Being obedient pays off. It really does. Abraham, if you go read the story of Abraham and how God blessed Abraham, when you go look at his life later on and his descendants, it's fascinating when the Lord would appear to Isaac, to his kids, and what God did for his kids. Matter of fact, he said to Isaac, he said, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to bless you because your father was obedient to me. And again and again, he said, because he, Abraham, obeyed me, I'm going to do this. Many times we need to approach things on God's terms, not ours, because there is a ripple effect. You with me? And we can't go, well, I'm going to solve the problem myself and do it myself. I got to realize, listen, I got to put God first. And it's amazing how God came and visited not only Isaac, you know, because Abraham obeyed, but also Rebecca. I mean, she would start inquiring of the Lord instead of just looking to her husband. All of a sudden, now she has a visitation and now the Lord appears to her. Well, what do these things do for us? They help us to stay on course. They help us to know God's will. But obedience is huge. You with me? And so when we pray, we need to be honest and be open. We need to be willing to hear a yes or a no. Or a go or a don't go. Or a do this or don't do it. Or pull the trigger on this deal. Or don't pull a trigger on the deal. You with me? I knew you guys would be excited about that. But how many times have we done that? And we just went, okay, I'm going to pray. But deep down we're like, I'm not, I'm not up for a yes, or I'm not up for a no. If you say yes, this is great, Lord, because we're going to go for it. And if you don't, I'm still going for it. People have been there. It's a real temptation. It doesn't mean you're an evil person either, because Jesus got to that place where he, he was going to die and be separated from God, take the sin of the world on himself, and he said, Lord, is there another way? And then he, he said, nevertheless, not what I want to do, but what you want. That's really where you've got to be. Yes or no, one way or the other, but don't get yourself to the point where you're like, I'm do I mean, I want you to say yes or I want you to say no because I'm already going to do it. And I'd like you to agree with this, but if you don't, I'm still doing it. So I'm just letting you know. That's not praying. That's actually because we talked about being humble. It would go, okay, I really want to do this, Lord. And it looks like the right thing for me, from my viewpoint. But you've got to be willing. Okay, thank you. So, turn with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. We have to 
realize and uh, get, be willing to get a new way of thinking from the Lord on subjects. There needs to be fundamental changes in every believer. Every believer should have a relationship with God through his word. It's important. Romans 12 says this in verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world or the way the world operates. Let me ask you this. Do the people in the world want to do God's will? You ever invite somebody to church and they're like, too busy. Too busy. That is worldly thinking. How can somebody be too busy for God? My life just keeps getting more and more busy. No, then you're letting idols in. Not you, I'm saying the world. And, and, and I just can't ever be there uh, because I'm just too busy. But, you know, in a few years, I know my calendar is going to open up once my kid's through soccer. Possibly. No, you have to make God a priority and make time. But when it says don't be conformed to this world, we need to realize, is the world wanting to grow near to God? I believe there's a void in them where they want to know God. But it seems like people do have a couple of excuses. But notice this. Do not be conformed or shaped like the world but be transformed. Who wants their Christian life to become transformed? Well, it's interesting. He said there's a conforming to this world or a transformed life. Now, understand this. This is not the new birth. This is not giving your life to the Lord. This is after you've given your life to the Lord. He says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or making your mind new in thought. Notice what he said. If you will do this, he said, then you'll be able to prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. We can't really know God's perfect will, good will, and acceptable will in a real way without renewing our mind. How many times have people said, well, it's just God's will uh, and this affliction in my life is just from God. And then others have said, yeah, it's from God. God's in control of everything. And what happens when people say that, you can readily tell their mind is not renewed with the word of God because God is not in control. Because if he was in control, you think if we believe he's good, you think he would have people doing their own thing that's destructive? You think that kids would be getting kidnapped and wars would be going on if he was in control? When the Lord comes back, there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sickness, no more any of that when he comes back to the earth and gets rid of Satan. That should tell us something. When he is in control, it's like that. That tells us he's not in control right now. He has given free will to us and given authority to us and told us how to do things and told us to how to have dominion and how to win. And one of the basic fundamental things to this 
for a transformed Christian life is the renewing or the making new of the way you think. And it really has to do with where you give your attention. In other words, you can't stop all negative thoughts from coming to you, but you can stop from entertaining them and focusing on them. Notice this at the very last part of that verse. It says that you would know. Then that means not everybody knows what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will is. Did Peter know God's perfect will or right will for Jesus when he said, Not so, Lord. But what if he would have been mindful of the scriptures that the Son of Man must be taken, betrayed by the Gentiles, must they'll pierce his hands and his feet, that they'll whip him to where you could see through and see his bones, and that he would die and that he would rise again. If Peter was mindful of those scriptures, he would not have said, I can't let you be crucified. And so we see the value in his life, but is there a will of God for your life? Oh, absolutely. There's a will of God for this church. There's a will of God, and as we renew our minds, we can connect with that. Look at 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. We're going to read two verses and be done, but 2 Corinthians... Because if we want to reign in life, a fundamental area is beginning to think different. Renewing your mind is a process. It won't happen overnight. But if you'll stick your nose in the Word of God, the Word of God will get in you. I mean, it will. If you will be diligent to get into the Word of God, and I'm not saying just live like a, you know, a monk or something. I don't know what they live like, but... Don't live like one of them. And uh, go to the mountains and just live there and eat acorns and stuff like that and read the Bible all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. Because I would rather have a steak than an acorn. But whatever it is, you need to understand, you do need to give some time if you want your life transformed. Do you like where your life is? Do you want to transform life? Some people are trying to transform their life by um, changing. Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then all of a sudden they do it again. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm determined more than ever. I'll not. And then they go do it again. You know why? Because their mind is not being transformed. Therefore, their life is not transformed. So no matter how bad they want transformation, it's not going to be coming just because I'm going to fix my will and go, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. You've got to rethink this. You've got to change by the word of God. And if you would change how you think, then it would be real easy, I would say, or easier to do these things. And eventually, it would just be kind of like you grew into that new way of life. But the issue is, if I don't give time, there won't be transformation. Thank you. You think the world's being transformed right now? No. Uh, 
But anybody who will do this can be transformed. Isn't it nice to be around people who are being transformed? You're not going to find a perfectly transformed person who's exactly perfect, unless you meet me. No, then you'll be sure nobody's perfect. No, but what it is is though we can be transformed and our lives can be changing. I remember when I was in Bible school, turn to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. When I was in Bible school, uh, they told us, got to tie my shoe. Everybody, I know how to do it, rabbit ears. Right, run around, jump in the hole. Anyway, when I was in Bible school, I remember, you know, you're there, you know, several hours a day just hearing Bible stuff, Bible stuff, Bible stuff. And, and uh, when we got dismissed for Christmas to go home, they said, when you go home, be careful how you treat people. I'm thinking, well, what do you mean? You, they said, you're going to find out that everybody's super different. And it's not them, it's you. And I remember going home and went, whoa, everybody is different. But it was me. My mind was changing how I saw things. And so notice this here in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And we'll read in verse 18. And this is talking about looking into the word of God as Christians. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, when we spend time praying, but when we spend time in His Word, He said it's like looking in a mirror and we're being transformed. Isn't it interesting? He said looking at the Lord and reading his word is look like looking in a mirror. Isn't that interesting? That he would say renewing your mind or reading the Bible and looking at these truths is like looking in a mirror. Because we know this when you when it comes to a mirror. A mirror shows my personal reflection or your personal reflection. What's interesting about a mirror is you have never literally ever seen your own face unless you had an out-of-body experience. You've never seen your own face. You've only ever, I've seen your face but you have never seen your face. Everybody else has seen yours, but you have not. You have only ever looked at your face in a reflection, meaning captured in a picture, whatever it is, but that you've never literally looked at your own face. Nobody. I did hear one time about a guy who had died in a military hospital during, I think it was like World War II, and his body left or his spirit left his body, and he saw the Lord. And when the Lord said, you must go back, he said, I went through the hospital, and he said, and I saw these bodies, and I looked at this one, and I was traveling toward it, and he said, that's not me. And he said, I realized that's the first time I'd ever seen what I really looked like. 
that might be more scary for some of us. <laughs> Whoa, yikes. And, uh, but literally, when we look in the Bible, we're looking at a mirror. We're actually seeing who we are from God's standpoint, not from our own standpoint. You with me? That's why it says we're transformed from glory to glory because there's a glorious image to what every believer looks like in the Bible. That's how God looks at people that are saved. He looks at you like you're brand new, that you are different, that you're free from sin, that you're his child, that he's for you. But the interesting thing is written here in James concerning this same type of talk, and we're going to close with this verse. He said this in James 1, 23 and 24, and he's talking about the word of God. For if anyone is a hearer of the word of God and not a doer of the word, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. So somebody who hears the word but doesn't practice the word is like somebody who looks in the mirror and it goes on to say, for he observes himself. What do you observe when you look in the Bible? Your true self. Yeah, I know the Lord said I'm forgiven, but I just don't feel like it. You know how many bad things I've done? You look at the mirror and then you look away. That's really what you're doing. The image that God is showing you that's true, you look at it and go, yeah, he said I'm forgiven, but. And you, really, you're turning your head away. You're turning your mind away. Yeah, he loves me. It says that, but the whole thing is, you know what I've done? You're looking at the mirror for a second, and then you're turning your head away and looking at something that's not true. It is truly showing you the image of how God looks at you. You're new. You're created in him. You're connected to him. You've got his life. His, you've got his life in you when you receive the Lord. On and on it goes. And he said, there are some people out there who look in this mirror, and they observe, just like a person who would observe their natural face in a mirror, and then it says, for he observes himself, but he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. Well, what would the cure be then? It would be to look at who you are according to the image in the book, and then remember it and think about it and keep that image and believe that image. Because let me ask you, is this true? Is the Bible true? So is it going to lie to you and go, you're forgiven? <laughs> Just kidding. You know, I remember when, when we used to, when I was in the youth, we did some trips to Catalina Island. We'd do some summer trips there and take a bunch of youth over there. And there's this one restaurant that's Italian, has Italian food, which includes spaghetti, which is cheap, a lot of food, bring the youth. So we would go in there, and uh, I remember when you'd go up this little stairway or toward the bathroom, there's one of those weird mirrors. Everybody's got to go get in front of it, see what you look like. Oh, no, move over here. We laugh. Okay, move over here. Oh, back up. Do this scrunch and it's showing you something and we just get amused and laugh at the thing and get others here let's take pictures but is it really showing you a true image 
You need to be careful where you're getting your true image from or what you perceive as a true image. And if you've never looked in this mirror, you could know God. God could love you, but you may not even know he loves you because you haven't even looked to see what it looks like. That he's totally for you and on your side. Got a good plan. How many people are out there like, well, I ain't going to heaven because hell's where the party is. Um, they haven't. I've heard that. That's where the party is. Um, you need to go look in there, see what it really looks like. It's not where the party is. 